When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. Hello, my name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 56 of the No Encore Music Podcast, joined this week by Cullum O'Regan. Hello, sir. How are you? Not bad, man. Craig. Wait a minute. What? 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 Where is he? Surely, surely not. No way. Not again. Craig has been so put out by the death of his Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, that he feels he can't work on this holy week. This is getting out of hand. (laughs) I know. Just another Craigless podcast. Uh, Wait a minute, he's ringing. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. (laughs) Hey man, how's it going? Sorry about that, listener. Very unprofessional to start, but that was Craig ringing just to make sure that we were okay. Professional and enough, Craig, I suppose, wasn't we it? We are okay, because the voice you would have heard before that happened was, of course, back on the show again, Rory Lynch, a.k.a. Bantam. Hey. Hello. Ow! I'm back again. Well, we felt that on this episode we're bringing back our listening guide, and we're going to do prints this week, and we felt that, who better? Who better than Bantam? This is very true, because you are actually involved in a kind of a tribute night, commemoration, whatever you want to call it, uh, to the man himself. Yeah, I'm doing it. Well, I'm DJing at a Prince uh, commemoration night, I guess, in the Bernard Shaw. This Friday, the this 21st Friday. of April. So, uh, Get yeah. Along. There'll be, there'll be pr- there's Prince events all over town that week, I think. So. Look at you driving good. away people from your own gig. Painting just, Dublin purple. Pa- exactly. Painting it purple. Oh, can we get a Prince mural in Smithfield this time? That'd be good. <laughs> just repaint it every week. Yeah. 
Why not? Yeah, no, 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 no. Leave up the storms you want. I quite like it. That's, what I really want to know. Cool yeah. I would have preferred if they had one of Craig David to celebrate his would gig you? last would week. Would you prefer that? Would you? I would. Yeah. Okay. Maybe one of him DJing for half an hour, Dave. I think. Tell about, us more about I'm that. I'm pretty sure it was about forty minutes. So yeah, I went to see Craig David play. Where you ask? The answer is the Three Arena. Yes, that's right. A Craig David Arena show, Arena tour, in 2017, which mm. raises all kinds of questions, uh, namely why, yeah. and how, and who. Uh, who? As well. well, I was dragged along by friend of the show, State Magazine Reviews editor Zara Hederman. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point I wasn't going to go, but she begged and she begged and she pleaded, and I finally succumbed to it. And I went, okay, fine, Zara. Get all your excuses in, Dave. I'll go. On. And we went along. She had the time for fucking life, man. Like, this girl, like, <laughs> Edgar, she spilled a drink all over herself immediately, out okay. of pure excitement. And uh, was sitting there lassoing away for the whole show, as I was kind of sitting there being like, oh, "Why, why, why, why did I come to this show?" Uh, I don't, I don't dislike Craig David. Like we're going to talk later on about pop music and about kind of people taking issue when people kind of have a go at their faves and stuff. Um, I don't really have anything against Craig David. I mean, as a matter of fact, what I would say is I was having a conversation with a friend of mine on that day at lunch, and we were talking about how that show, Bo Selecta. Yep. It's kind of fascinating in a way because that's an instance, and I can't really think of another one, in which a parody of something completely killed his career stone dead. He's sure. Sa- he's said that as well, hasn't he? Yeah. Abso- oh, he absolutely has. It yeah, drove yeah. him to depression, I believe. Yeah. It, it's a cruel joke. Like, like That guy just destroyed, destroyed Craig David. And Craig David seems like a nice lad, you know? He's, you know, seems like happy-go-lucky and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, know, I, tend, I I agree with everything you just said, but I also uh, listened to this in the knowledge that last Saturday I walked past uh, quite a posh house uh, near where I live and shouted, Crazy Paven! <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> there you go. I mean, you like, do, I, yeah, I mean, you do, you mention Craig David to people and they don't instantly talk about his music. They just shout off Craig David, both yeah, selected. They talk about Peregrine Falcons and that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. so, you know, nice lad, um, fair play for... I guess more than half, less than full, maybe somewhere in the middle, three quarters, selling out the three arena. Um, but uh, at the same time, I, I take issue. I take issue with this whole cult of, oh, no, 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 he's actually really good. He isn't. <laughs> and the show was, like, like it was very obviously you were watching someone who doesn't have a massive back catalogue of hits to call upon. Uh, because, yes, halfway through the show, uh, his band go off, up comes a, a riser with some decks on it, and a big pair of sponsored headphones. And for over 40 minutes, 40 minutes, Craig David DJs. 40 minutes. Minimum. Isn't, isn't that how he started, though? He used to, like, DJ himself and then... But this is up. an arena show. <laughs> like, yeah. I what's guess, going on? I guess the intention was bringing it back to where he came from. Or whatever, I mean, don't get like, me wrong. It's nice to get 10-second blasts of, like, you know, Say My Name by Destiny's Child and, oh, House of Pain, Jump Around. That's That, that still gets a pop in 2017. <laughs> The alternative national anthem, I believe. Did Him he, doing some speed. Around a VN at midnight, no? No, thankfully he didn't. Uh, no, no Maniac 2000, Craig. You know, you could have really gone all in. And him kind of speed rapping over it, I guess. And I think he did about five versions of Fill Me In. Like a slow version, a fast version. You know, it's like, again, I take nothing away from it. I had a fun this time. This sounds enthralling. No, no, but I had a fun time. But what, what I want to say is this. It was ambitiously terrible. <laughs> this was an ambitiously terrible show. We do always give credit for ambition here, don't we? Oh yeah, I can't fault ambition. I can't fault what he did, but it was dreadful. I mean, yeah. like, like from from a purely objective point of view, from a genuine like, if I was reviewing this critically, it was rubbish. But I had a good time. 
Fair enough. Speaking of reviews, by the way, uh, log on to iTunes, uh, rate and review this show. Give us that little bump. Let us know you're out there. It's rubbish, but I had a good time. <laughs> yeah, say. yeah. Just leave that comment like ten times over. Um, Three stars. Yeah. Start, start convincing. <laughs> yeah, I somebody. mean, to be fair, what I would say, like you know, iTunes ratings, that kind of thing. I know it's annoying to be like, hey, come on, do it, but it does actually get us up those charts and all that kind of stuff, and you know. We 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 want to grow with you, listener, uh, emotionally and physically. I don't know. Like, what am I saying? I don't know. You're getting a bit carried away. The news. Let's, let's do it. Get to the news, shall we? Yes, let's. Um, Jared Kushner uh, is uh, well, a frequently used name right now in in more political circles than this. Um, Donald Trump's son-in-law, who is charged with uh, bringing peace to the Middle East, uh, going well. Do- it's going very well. Solving domestic policy. Um, yeah, he's been given like a laundry list of things to do. Clearly, the sign that his father-in-law hates him. Um, but what's more, a uh, more, more, lot of people hate him, uh, which is why they've dug up his last FM profile, which has been in existence since 2009. And but what's really caught people's eye is that he's into like Hamilton and Beyonce and stuff, which people are saying like it you was know, completely against what he, he and the administration stand for, which I suppose is kind of true. Uh, he's also big into like 21 Pilots, it seems, and Adele. But there's some good stuff in there. Uh, his sixth favourite album ever, actually, is um, Vampire Weekend. And Which one? The third album. Oh, yeah, good choice. The, yeah, the one that we've been talking about uh, just last week. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's not terrible taste, to be fair. To be the fair, question I, is, if you pulled up my Spotify, because first of all, I listen to songs for this show, and oh, yeah. like you know, and I listen to a lot of different things. Uh, you, you can easily like paint someone with a strange musical brush. Bantam, I know that you love to listen to Barry Manilow and like that kind of thing, so. Gotta get a bit of mellow, <laughs> <laughs> but like it goes, it goes back to the idea of like you know. I, I know uh, Jennifer Gannon, uh, who's been a guest on the show before, has kind of outlawed the idea of guilty pleasures, and I do agree with that. Oh, I, I hate like, that shit. I mean, I, I used to kind of ask that question of people. I'd be like, you know, like to wrap up an interview, and you know, just to get, get out of this interview kind of fashion. Mm-hmm. And most people would actually kind of be like, oh well, look, I mean, like that's kind of an outdated term. It doesn't really mean. Anything. And I've come around to that way of thinking. I, I, I don't really believe in guilty pleasures. If a good song is a good song, it's a good song. Yeah. But you're you're moving to defend Jared. Kushner. I mean, there are guilty pleasures. But it's stuff like, you know, having an affair with your secretary or something. You've, you've done that, haven't you? Well, yes, but that's beside the point. You have a secretary? I used to. He used to be very powerful. Un- until the incident, you know yourself. Okay. Let's move on. Until they find your last <laughs> your last .fm profile. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you, you, you feel like uh, you want to give this guy a bit of a break, do you? Well, this is the thing. It, it's especially the fact that, like, you know, they're saying, like, you know, oh, because of his political beliefs, he can't listen to this music, which I always think is just complete bollocks, you know? It's That's, like, yeah, I mean, if you were to uh, if you were to think, like, what what would he listen to without reading this list, you mm. know? I mean, uh, this wouldn't be far off. No, yeah, normal music, frankly, like. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a bit like, you know, when Morrissey and Mars say, oh, like, David Cameron isn't allowed to like the Smiths. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm sorry, I don't think you get to make that decision. Yeah. You know? This guy likes Death Grips, which I found quite surprising. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, Is that real? Yeah. Yeah, he apparently so. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're on his most recent listen to. All right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. unless, unless someone's uh, elaborately screwing around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and has gotten started in 2009 to try to mess us over as well. Screwing with his scrabbles. Yeah, yeah screwing a, with the scrabbles. That's a term I haven't heard in a long time. I think my last FM is still up there, actually. Oh, really? So, yeah. Oh, we'll be digging that one yeah. out for next week. <laughs> I always remember uh, to give the last word to our former guest, Toby Carr, who uh, once told me the reason I don't have a last FM profile is that I don't want people knowing that I spend 80% of my time listening to the whole study. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, like would we find Lord on his last FM profile? That's the question. Because. Uh, Lords in the news, you know, new album coming out, lots of publicity to do, and 
We've heard a couple of the tracks so far. I haven't really been that impressed. And someone who wasn't impressed was uh, Max Martin, the hitmaker himself. He didn't think that Greenlight should have been uh, the lead single. Yeah. He felt it wasn't a hit. He said, in fact, that it was incorrect songwriting. And Lord yourself clarified it wasn't an insult, just a statement of fact uh, that it's a strange piece of music. Um, frankly, she's clearly wearing it as a badge of honour. Yeah, which is a strange badge of honour. Yeah, well, I mean, at the same time, I guess she doesn't want to be just, you know, a regular pop singer who's a bit of a puppet for a producer. She wants to do it her own way. Question is, I mean, is that the right decision at this point? I mean, what did, what did you talked about this track the week I wasn't here? And I think it's terrible. Yeah, and I still think it's terrible. And I'm I, I'm really turning against Lord. I have to say at the moment. I mean, like everything from like that kind of thing that she wrote on the eve of her twentieth birthday or something, and or twenty first, whatever it was, and then like the first track just being so bad. Uh, I haven't gone near the, the second kind of single thing because I just I I really don't like where this is all going. And like for example, like she says her new album evokes that moment you're alone looking in the bathroom mirror and you start feeling horrible. Can't wait! Like, what the fuck? Well, I mean, to, to whet your appetite further, she's announced that it's going to be a concept album. Yeah, about one long house party. Yeah, and in fact, that thing that she wrote back in November, if you remember, it kind of signed off with the party is about to start, so clearly... You know, yeah, this... Uh, I, I, there, I couldn't be less interested for a new major album. I don't know. I, I, like, she's very young. Like, how, how old is she? 21. 20, 20, 21. She's still a kid, you know? I mean, she's doing all this in the public eye. Um, incorrect songwriting though I've never that's the first time I've ever heard that term from anyone what the hell is that if, yeah like, if I lived next to you and I heard you like noodling and jamming I'd be standing inside incorrect. being like incorrect songwriting <laughs> I won't have it I will, I will not sanction this buffoonery that gets an X from me like, oh. that quote by the way I won't sanction your buffoonery do you know what that's from I don't uh, when Batman Forever was being filmed right uh, Tommy Lee Jones notorious Serapus, Tommy Lee Jones, mm-hmm. didn't get on very well with Jim Carrey, who was at the height of his Jim Carrey, you know, rubber-faced gurning. And apparently one night they were in the same restaurant while filming, they, they bumped into each other. And he, Jim Carrey recalled this and saying, he goes, he goes, yeah, he was in a really strange mood. He, was, he came over to me and he gave me this big kind of strange hug and he was just very aggressive about it. And he was kind of like smiling at me and he said, I hate you. Uh, and I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Cannot sanction your buffoonery. Yeah. That's outstanding. He was upstaged and he didn't like being upstaged. Well, can you sanction the buffoonery? Before before you do, I must say, Go on. on this Lord thing, mm-hmm. we, you know, Max Martin, let's give him his due to a degree. He said, I don't think it'll be a hit. Now, yep. the, the track peaked at 19. Yep. Much like Craig Fitzpatrick. Hey. Oh, damn. Hey. Fuck you, Craig. Oh, hey. Excellent work. <laughs> Still peaking at 19. Uh, that's a good seven years later than uh, young Ty Trujillo. Uh, if the surname sounds familiar, it's because he is the son of Metallica bassist Rob Trujillo. And he is about to go out on tour with Corn. Let's talk about his hair first. Uh, he's got his dad's hair and then some, doesn't he? And then some, he does indeed. And as Rory spotted earlier, just caught the Eye of Vogue magazine. <laughs> I did a quick Google this morning, and this was the first result. It was Don't a, lie. An article by Vogue. Vogue is your homepage, and we uh, know it. Maybe, yeah. That in the Daily Mail. But, uh, yeah, it was, fo- like, it was the, amazing. The, they described it as a pint-sized brunette strummer. Have you seen this kid? Like, yeah. That hair is down to the ground, man. This is the, no, 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 but this is the thing, okay? It's not. It's down to his waist. Have you seen his mother? No. His mother is an artist in L.A. She has hair literally down to her knees. Wow. It's insane. And then his dad just has a yeah, lot of hair as well. Big, long pigtails, yeah. typically. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. His dad, who looks like Roman Reigns. And, uh, Very much so. Yeah. 
A lot of Corn fans, because uh, they're still out there, are not happy. <laughs> Who knew? Corn are going to South America for like the first time in a very, very long time, if, if my information is accurate. Uh, yes, listener, I did in fact have about five Corn albums, and I have seen them live before. Let's uh, just, me too. Yeah, let's just tick that box. And yeah, people are like, like on the Facebook page, what a shock, below the line comments are not good. A lot of people are like, this is a fucking joke, how dare you uh, bring a 12 year old in as, as your temporary replacement bassist, like this is an absolute piss take, you're coming to see us for the first time and like you're, you're pulling this shit. Uh, I've seen some videos of this kid, he can play. Sure, me too, yeah. Yeah, no, he seems to be able to play. I mean, it should be so said So what's well. the problem? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, It's corn. Yeah, it, do, it does sound like it's a publicity. It's the Kronos Quartet. Yeah, it does sound like a publicity stunt, I mean, of sorts. Yeah, of course, um, but like at the same time, if the kid can play, and they're like, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, it's also successful, because unlike you guys, I, I didn't own a Korn album uh, when I was younger, and, and I definitely haven't kept up with the band. In fact, I reckon I haven't heard them since uh, Freak on a Leash was the theme song for Top 30 Hits. It was for a while, that's right. That was a strange little thing there. That's a great song. I listened to it yesterday. Yeah. The thing, the, thing is, that, how do you mind a 12-year-old on tour? I mean, like... Corn have kind of grown up now, though. Like they're kind of cleaner and all that kind of stuff. I feel like they're, like they're probably like their dads themselves. Yeah. I, think, I think half of them are sober now, or something like that. I think it's pretty, and I think like they'll all be wary of of his dad, who is in Metallica. Sure, and it looks like he could beat the shit out of you. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> this no, is true with no real struggle. And Rob Trujillo, by the way, like or he seems like a really nice guy. I remember, like you know, off re- reference in the show, the some kind of monster mm-hmm. documentary. You know, when when he gets brought into that band, and they're like, you know, just to show you how serious we are about this, we're going to give you a million dollars right now. He looks like he's about to burst burst out crying. He seems like a good guy. (laughs) And I, no, you know what? More stories like this. It's a bit different. And like, think about like how that must be for that kid. Yeah, I I love this story. I think it's great. Delighted for the kid. I think this is like his first gig is going to be in Colombia next week. And, like, metal fans in South America are insane. You know, it, this is going to be... Like, once this kid gets through these these gigs, he'll be able to do anything, you know? I think it's cool. Including heroin. <laughs> well, I was going to say that he wouldn't have a problem finding a date for the prom, but if you want to go, uh, you know, down Smack Alley there, fair enough. Hey, I'm just worried. And if you're kid. down that alley, you might see some strange graffiti. You know? Now, how's that for a link? It's, it's quite something, Dave. Um... <laughs> Mind you, it's not so much strange graffiti as, as very neat print. Um, everybody, obviously, by now is probably uh, getting stuck into the Kendrick Lamar album. Review to which, follow next week on No Encore. Yes, and uh, you've obviously already seen our take on uh, <laughs> on the L cover. But um, yeah, the, the graphic designer behind it, Vlad Sepetov, uh, was forced to kind of defend himself because some fans were not all that happy. Yeah, I mean, like, I saw someone on Twitter yesterday, uh, shout out to Gemma Samways, she put up a thing where she was like, oh, 2017 is the year of the MS Paint album artwork revival, mm-hmm. uh, positioning this and the Kasabian one and Drake's More Life, in which we now see these records with very basic typefaces, uh, to the point where this is genuinely, like, you know, like one of your six options you have in an email, if you want to get a bit elaborate. Uh, the graphic designer has defended the, the whole thing himself, kind of going into a bit of things, saying he ignored all the advice that was given to him by his teachers over the years, and he wants to be a bit abrasive. They talked about it. They talked about using the parental advisory logo as part of the artwork, and it's a complete opposite to to Pimp a Butterfly's very uber-political yeah. kind of messaging as well. He also took issue with somebody calling it bad design, which I think in much the same way as we were talking about incorrect songwriting, he was like, I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, but I think he did that with quite a good grace as well. He was kind of saying, like, you know, like, if anything, you know, like, this just excites me more for the decisions that we've made. He's like, this wasn't done in five minutes. There was 
a lot of talk about it. And like mm. that's like this really is a case of, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure when it comes to art and kind of aesthetics and visual presentation. I mean, like, you know, you can walk into a gallery and see like an incredibly basic thing and be like, well, that's just an incredibly basic thing where some people might be like, that's amazing. It's a hell of a statement. So my biggest concern, though, and we'll know, but, you know, like, like we'll, 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 as you say, we'll be getting stuck into this by the time this podcast goes out. I am going to call it right now. I'm willing to put my reputation on the line. I think this album's going to suck. You think it's going to suck? I think it's, it's going to be a massive step down. Why do you think so? Well, Humble is a really bad song, and everyone thinks it's great, but it isn't. And, you know, it's just annoying. It's obnoxious. Uh, his ability remains the same, but the, the hard part for was just sounded like a person, you know, doing a stream of consciousness, like like kind of freestyling, and I didn't really connect with it. Humble, I think, is an aggressively average to bad song. You uh, 2 are on the record. What's that going to sound like? Are they being sampled? Are they co-writing? They're then as a feature. Yeah. Like featuring Rihanna is one song and featuring uh, U2 is another. The only features. And I feel like, you know, I just feel like he, like he's either doing some elaborate ruse thing where, where he's taking shots at the current rap scene and might be pulling some kind of elaborate prank, at least with Humble. That's kind of what I get from it. Is he going to do a whole album of that? I'm aware that what I'm saying is quite ridiculous and there's every chance that it'll be a phenomenal record. But I'm just going to put it out there. My early guess is this is not going to be a good album. I oh. want to be proved wrong. I sure. hope I am. Yeah. Well, obviously, as we say, by now, uh, by the time this episode drops, uh, the album will be out and we will be discussing it. Real quick, though, Bantam, I know, like, you know, uh, with your album Move, you went through several different kind of artwork styles and you kind of came down with what you came down with. I mean, like, would you ever use Comic Sans, for example, as a as a, as a typeface? Uh, n- no, for the sole reason that uh, Shane O'Driscoll, my graphic designer and one of my best friends, would kill me <laughs> for using that and thus ending the friendship that's um, fair no I mean I looked at Kendrick Lamar's uh, damn damn artwork and you know it was I thought it was grand I mean I don't get why everyone's talking about it you know I mean the, the last album artwork was epic in scope and style it was, he was going for the iconic big thing Good Kid Mad City was a Polaroid mm-hmm. you know um, whereas this just looks you know it looks like a Kendrick Lamar album cover that is it you know yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for the music jury's out I have no problem with it if anything it reminds me of a metal album cover it kind of looks like Pantera's vulgar display of power with that uh, typeface and even like you know, that's the, true actually, I was trying to trying to. I was actually listening to that today I was trying to go. trying to place it actually yeah and I've just done it for you that's what I do man I'm here to educate and entertain <laughs> here to serve Dave here to serve, serve alright let's move on to the songs of the week Oh boy. We're talking a bit late with this one, but uh, we couldn't let it pass without discussing the debut solo effort from Harry Styles. It's called Sign of the Times. Sounds like this. Dave, you look like you have a lot on your mind. Strap in, kids. I've got a lot to say. 
Okay, yeah, we're a little bit late to the party on this one, as Cullum says. But if anything, I'm kind of glad that we are, because I feel like it's good to have some distance when a monumental release, or at least one that is posited that way, comes out. Now, I have a lot of problems with this song, and I have a lot of problems with the reactions to this track. First up, it's trash. It's a rubbish, 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 rubbish song. Do you think? Yeah, it's crap. It's awful. It sucks. I mean, I... I don't think it sucks. I don't either. I don't think it's rubbish, 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 rubbish. Well, it yeah. is. It is. I mean, I mean, like, I'm not going to say that like it's my favorite track of the year by any stretch of the imagination. I've been whistling that chorus but, all day today. It's yeah. been in my head. I mean, it should be said though that at five and a half minutes, you feel it's, as though it's it is definitely too long. yeah, it's too long. yeah. But more to the point, like it, it's really insinuating itself because it just goes over and over and over again. It's going to work its way into your head. Yeah, and he could have picked a better name for the track. But well, the, the track listing of his record, uh, which was revealed today, has some pretty dodgy sound titles. The album comes out on the 12th of May. It is self-titled. Let's go back to this track, though. Okay, so, right. Um, I just, I, I really struggle with this. I really struggle with the idea, uh, which has been posited by a lot of different people, including The Guardian, who uh, had the audacity in their clickbait headline to ask if he is the new Bowie. Hmm. I'm going to answer that question for you right now. No, he's not. He's de- no, he's definitely, he's definitely not. not. And I understand what they're doing there. They're kind of being, you know, postmodern and they're being like kind of classic and they're trying to like, you know, like like you know, rattle some cages and get some clicks and get some debate going. Fair enough. But uh, there I've seen several of these think pieces now and 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 they they they've infuriated me. I'm so annoyed by this and not because you know you're comparing him to Bowie like like that's fine. Like I don't mind that so much. It's clearly being there's tongue in cheek there. Well, no, but, but the, the, the Bowie nods within the song. No, as well. I know, I mean, but it's yeah, but clearly yeah, kind of derivative yeah, of because because there's some fucking slide guitar, like, and, and it's but a power the slide ballad. guitar is amazing when it comes in. It comes in with a legit like awful. boing. It's awful. And, like it's they awful. might as well have had a slide whistle. It's dreadful. Uh, and like, so hang on. Before we get to the song, right? I, I have to get this out of my system. Um, okay. So I keep seeing people saying stuff like, "Oh, leave Harry Styles alone. You know, give him a break. Uh, like, you know, like, like, why are we see? Why, why are we rounding on this guy because he was in a boy band? Like, you know, like, like, give him a chance. Uh, okay, fine." Grand, but who the fuck is saying this? Who in the music press is saying this? If anything, people are being way too generous to a sub-average song. Uh, like anyone who comes along and like has a problem with a pop star for being a pop star. Uh, okay, first of all, that per- that person's probably a fucking closed-minded idiot. Anyway, they're probably the kind of per- person who comments beneath the line. Like like they drag their fucking yeah. knuckles. Don't worry about them. But no one in the music press that I've seen, unless it's on some kind of niche specialist metal website, which would have a problem with pop music in general. No one has actually given Harry Styles a bad time. And I keep seeing these straw man arguments about fucking nothing and it's a joke because this song is not good and I should be allowed to say that this song is not good and not be accused of being a music snob in the process which is how I kind of feel when I read these pieces because I think that they're just nothing I think they're designed for echo chambers I think they're designed to talk to people who already be like oh yeah absolutely like oh yeah like people have a problem with mainstream music in 2017 no no idiots have a problem with music in mainstream 17 I know Colm's trying to wrap me up here but I'm but I'm going and because I, I really feel like this is a fucking problem and like to base it off the back of this track is insulting. I love pop music. I didn't like, my entire life. When I went through my new metal phase, I was a bit ignorant, and I did think that pop music was a bit shit. But it turns out I was completely fucking wrong. And over ten years ago, when I actually like tried to broaden my horizons a bit, I was able to appreciate how wrong I was. Pop music, when it's done right, is absolutely incredible. I'll put Girls Loud up against any band in the fucking world. I don't care if Harry Styles uses songwriters, producers, uh, doesn't play his own instruments, whatever. That doesn't fucking matter. And people who feel that way are ignorant. But in the music press, 
I am not seeing this written down. I'm not seeing these opinions positive. Anything there is support for this guy, and th- that's fine. I want this album to be good. I want everyone's album to be good. I want to enjoy the music that I listen to. This song is absolutely rubbish, and I understand why people are kind of like bringing up names like Bowie and Elton John and other people, and like you know even Pink Floyd or whatever. Uh, and that's part of the problem because there is no single sense of identity in this track whatsoever. He could be anybody. There is nothing brave about this song. It is way too fucking long. The verses are incredibly average. The the piano is stolen from Robbie Williams' Angels and kind of slowed down a little bit. The chorus is absolutely rubbish. And the lyrics, the lyrics of this song are appalling. This song is fucking trash. There we go. I'm done. Okay, good to get a word in edgeways here. I agree with you that it resembles Robbie Williams' Angels. I think that's actually... I won't say intentional to rip off that song, but that's definitely what this song is trying to be for Harry Styles. Angels was taken from Robbie Williams' first album, and that was probably the moment where he became, you know, not the boy band or not the ex-boy band member anymore. And I guess that's what Harry Styles is trying to do here. I think there's a little bit of credit in terms of, you know, everybody knows you're going to try to sound mature here. Spotify giving away their clearly very complex algorithms immediately played Niall Horan, <laughs> this town, after I listened to this song. And the difference is marked. And as well, we obviously went through Zane's album, uh, which has that sort of sexualized effort to, you know, I'm not a kid anymore. Pillow Talk is a much better lead single. P- Pillow Talk is a fantastic track, I agree. But no, Pillow I, Talk- granted, I, I, when that f- first came out, I was like, this isn't great, but it did grow on me. This hasn't. And we've had like a week with this song. I'm like, yeah, okay, like I've calmed down now. But I, I, I just find that there's this horrible... Oh but there's this horrible cultural imprint about this kind of shit where it's like... But look, I mean, it, a lot of... It's like, what are you on about? Like, sorry, like you mentioned Zane. Uh, this is the last thing I'm going to say, right? I've seen people say, oh, Harry Styles got the most abuse out of these One Direction people. Are you fucking kidding me? What about the race? Abuse saying Malik gets. You see, I mean, like, here's the thing, you know, especially for a lot of One Direction fans. Is, is it Directioners? Directioners, um, Directioners, yeah. 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 Get I it mean, right, they'll kill us. You're, yeah, but you're talking about online and you're talking about people who do pay as much attention to below the line commentary as they do, sort of like the established music press. Um, yeah, but don't give but, me. But like, but, but, for, but, but, but no, but don't don't give me this massive defense of someone based on below the line. Below the line comments well, no, shit. Well, fine, we but know see, this. Yeah, but like at the same time, like Harry Styles had his phone hacked this week, for instance. Did he? Yeah, and it started like tweeting out uh, this kind of like bizarre homemade porn thing of him and Louis Tomlinson. Uh, going back to this theory that One Direction fans had that they were actually together. And gay in a in a couple called Larry, um, that's that's clever for you, but yeah, but so like these are the sort of things that happen to him. These are the sort of things that he puts up with, and I think these are the sort of things that his fans jump to his defense and say like, "Oh, poor, poor Harry." Was I mean, wasn't his album cover released as well, or was it a cover for the track? Speaking of album covers, mm-hmm. and isn't isn't there like just endless debate on that as well? <laughs> you know, there just seems to be talk. Yeah, this, I guess this is the thing. Like, you know, it is debate fodder, um, and people do get very, very protective of these guys. That's fine. Like, like, like I've no problem with 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 protection of someone. I'm like, you know, like, yeah, of course, the guys are celebrating horrible things happen, but like, you know. Give me the 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 chance to like think that you could be a great artist, and like you know, like like on one song isn't going to do it. And I think One Direction have a bunch of great songs. I mean, and, and again, I don't care where it comes from, but this is naff. This no, is a I mean, naff power ballad which goes nowhere and is way too fucking long and isn't interesting, yeah. and is kind of all over the shop, really. Like it, it is too long. Um, his voice is more impressive than I thought it was going to be. I really? heard, I'd heard his 
kind of lower, slightly husky thing. The before. register, yeah, know? the falsetto. I hadn't actually heard yeah. him use before, and uh, I thought it sounds. Thought like it was a decent contrast. Seems like you couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Um, the song is somewhat derivative. Uh, the songwriter did "Funds We Are Young," and the fingerprints of that are all over it. Um, and there's also True. real sort of like Bowie Queen. I got Hey Jude from it. I'm with the sure piano at the start, yeah, and yeah. The kind of like the soaring thing. Like I say, the the slide guitar intro is. Am- Can we just hear just that, please? Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. It's amazing. You're and, mad and, for a bit of slide guitar, aren't you? And as well, the, <laughs> the way that the strings cut out after the first chorus, it's just like someone forgot to put fifty p in the meter. Like it just goes. Kind of <laughs> so do you agree that that's that that's bad songwriting? Oh, absolutely. That, no, no, yeah, no, was incorrect songwriting. Incorrect, incorrect. songwriting. I, I think it's incorrect production rather than songwriting. But um, but I yeah, that chorus is still in my head. I was going to whistle it there just to piss you off. <laughs> But uh, I can't because I'm smiling. I can't whistle when I'm smiling. I didn't even know you could whistle. Oh, wow, that, that sounds like it should be your book, man. I can't whistle while I'm smiling by Rory Lynch. That, Incorrect. That's also really going to fuck with your head if Rory can only whistle when he's in a bad mood. <laughs> Honestly, I can't. Stop. Can, but, we, um, can we have a better song, please? Yeah, let's go with a better song. Frank Ocean uh, dropped another uh, little taste of what he's been up to. Uh, got Jay-Z and Tyler, the creator, in on it as well. This is called Biking. So, I think Tyler, the creator, steals this song. Yeah, I, I love his voice I coming love his in voice. here. Yeah. I think Jay-Z sounds like he's uh, just on the phone or something like that. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, as Jay-Z features go, it's impressive. <laughs> it's impressively. Like he's found a new level of bad. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he manages this. But yeah. I, I thought it was genuinely someone doing a bad impression of Jay-Z. It, At the start, it, and I went, oh, no, no, it's actually him. Oh, yeah, it's strange. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, like, Jay-Z's verse is so bad that it sounds like maybe this was an idea that Frank had and that Tyler had, and they both enjoyed the bike metaphor. And then they rang up Jay-Z and went, yo, we need you to write using biking as a metaphor. And he went, what? Uh, <laughs> All right, I got two bars on the 3G, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like this song. At the moment, everything Frank Ocean does is, is pretty much gold. I mean, like this isn't necessarily the most direct and strongest immediate hit, but uh, again, you know, he just has he has that kind of ability, that kind of quality control, and I really like it. I agree with you. I think Tyler is someone who I wouldn't be the biggest fan of. I think he he, he does steal the show. It's just a beautiful contrast because Frank has that like really easy, almost melodic mm, sort of flow, thing. yeah, yeah, and then to have Tyler come in and just like almost. Beating. I think I really want to hear Tyler do an album with another producer other than himself because I'm not a fan of his music production. Right, but I love his voice. Um, even like that, he he rapped over an instrumental from Kanye West's last album with A$AP right, Rocky, yeah. and that actually that ruined the album for me because I just could not stop listening to that Tyler the Creator um, cover. I still do; it's amazing. Yeah. I think he also did a version of Zane's Pillow Talk, was it? Because he was supposed he? to collaborate yeah. with Zane that fell yeah. through. So he did some weird, like, him in his bedroom 
doing his own. Oh yeah, it. it did legit look like he was lip syncing. Yeah, something. it was yeah. very strange, but 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 quite funny. Um, no, no, this this is fun. I mean, like Frank's. This comes from his Blonded Radio on Apple Music and Spotify, in which he basically every now and then pops up with a playlist of of his own personal favorites and a couple of his own tracks. And so far, uh, it's ended with 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 new Frank Ocean tracks. Like this, is how Chanel got its premiere, and now and now this one. So it's an absolute treat to kind of wake up and be like, oh my god, this new Frank Ocean playlist, and it opens with the Doobie Brothers. Brilliant. Yeah. And it ends with a new Frank Ocean song. Great. <laughs> like more of this. Like you say as well. Yeah. Well, we said before. Yeah, getting more Frank Ocean. You know, that's always a good thing. And I think it was Craig that alluded to it as well, that, like, now that he's kind of, you know, he got Blonde out, he got Endless out, of course, as well, to, to you know, get rid of contractual obligations. Uh, he seems to be having fun now. Yeah, this, and the this, pressure this, this is feels, off. It feels like a lurk, mm. you know. These yeah. tracks, you know, can just exist in this vacuum, I suppose. And it doesn't feel like he needs to bring out a new record. It doesn't feel like, you know, oh, we we, we desperately need that, that long-term, full-length Blonde follow-up. Uh, if the if this is his version of just kind of clowning around, well then fucking keep it going. Yeah, and what's more, just like Chanel, it ends with the whole "I'm very rich now" material. So you know he's clearly enjoying that bit too, as I would. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, we have Fortesh getting his mitts on a song from the XX. Here's a remix of the Violent Noise. So yeah, that's a that's a Portesh remix, all right. It really is, isn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean to be fair though, like I and I like Fortet, but I tend to like the sort of really out there shit he does, yeah, like or... that insane like jazz album we did with Steve Reed, where you just thought your CD player was skipping. This is the most unsubtle Fortet track I've heard in quite some time. Yeah, <laughs> it's four to the floor, Tet. Oh, oh my god, have you been god. sitting on that all day? No, I haven't. It only just came now. <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah. but 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 it is it, it it's quite plain really, isn't it? It's just sped up and given a beat to the song. Yeah, not much is happening. There's not so not much in terms of builds. Um, you know, I could see this being played at three in the morning at any music festival yeah. over the summer. You know, it's it'll be played a lot. Um, I I throw this into my DJ sets to be honest. But um, yeah, it's you know, there's not much of the XX eight minutes in there. long as well. That's it's a good one to nip off for a pee in a bag. Yeah, take a piss or whatever. Yeah. But um. There's not much XX in there. No. I mean, they've, they've, they've just taken the beat, basically. Pretty much. And, yeah. yeah. Disappointing effort there. You won't have a chance to run to the bathroom uh, if you pop on Blink-182's new track, <laughs> which you can now hear in its entirety. Okay, now Dave, you were pointing out before the show that this is not the first time that Blink One Eighty Two have pulled off a stunt like no, this. In got fact, it's been this. a feature throughout their career. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's called "Can't Get You More Pregnant." It's thirty-five seconds long, and they're in their forties. And this is my major issue here. It's like, like 
Mark Hoppus is 45 years old, mm-hmm. and the other two members of the band are also in their 40s. <laughs> it says something when the guy who left to hunt UFOs seems like the sensible one. The last record, this is part of a package, like a deluxe edition of California, the album that came out last year, which I was curious about as a lapsed Blink-182 fan, you know, I grew up, they didn't. Uh, in that they got Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio, who I also really enjoyed when I was younger, on board. And I thought, well, this could be a really good combination, because I quite like the Plus 44 record that Mark and Travis did together, along with a couple of other lads, in 2006. Uh, unfortunately, California was a was a bust uh, outside of the single, and one of the tracks which were kind of fun overall. It was just really, really unadventurous and quite generic. Matt Skiba didn't really have a chance to do much, but they had a, it closes with like a, a track... Um, which is about 16 seconds long, and it's, you know, just like, what's the point? I don't get it. And it is, they still have that kind of juvenile thing going on. Do they what? But, I mean, like, what I find is that a band like Jimmy World, for example, like, I find it, they got to a point in their career when them singing, like, these kind of songs, which were, like, about fancying girls in high school, it got weird. You know, you're like, oh, of course, you're like, you're like, you're like, you can't keep this stuff up. But at least that they were more, they were more of like a proto emo thing, and like they would actually kind of have some songs of uh, 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 of kind of like you know soul searching, inspective merit. But that's not to say the thing that you never did, because the weird thing is, in 2005, their self title record does have those songs, and sure. and, and, and like, like it has some really good songs, and even like you know you go back as far as like a, an album like Enemy of the State, which is what broke them mainstream around the world, and like the big kind of like What's My Age Again, all the small things were the two mm-hmm. big breakouts, and like they obviously are what they are, but you got a song on that album called Adam's Song about suicide, and it's a wonderfully emotive, brilliant piece of work. So it's not like they don't have it in them, but instead they just choose to do this shit. Didn't they have an album called Take Off Your Pants and Jacket? They did. They and did like, indeed, uh, yeah. I, which, still, I still giggle at that. Which which had a song on a call Stay Together for the Kids, which is about divorce. <laughs> and you're, you're just like, this is really strange. Like, like This dichotomy can't quite last, and it doesn't. I'll always have a soft spot for Blink-182, because I kind of grew up with them, and I think Travis Barker is one of the greatest drummers I've ever heard in my life. But this is not good. The album California wasn't good. It kind of signaled the end of a run. It's given them, I suppose, a second or third life, and you know I don't begrudge them that. But yeah. I don't get excited by this, because I'm in my 30s now. <laughs> You know, which is still ten years younger than they are. More than ten. Fuck you. Hop on, lads. <laughs> uh, finally, this week we have uh, a track from Lethal Bizzle. There's a name that I used to enjoy about twelve years ago. Uh, he's teamed up with Skepta for I Win. Go on then, go on then. Pow, pow. I win. Don't wanna see me shining. I win. You don't wanna honor my thing. I win. Your girl watching my thing. I win. Every day I go in. I win. See the diamond in my ring. I win. That's a diamond for a king. Don't know why MCs wanna try team when you know all you're gonna get is a merkin. Yo, yo, it's all switched up now. Uh. The real dons are the main fixture. Wow. Yeah. As soon as you hear it's me for the biz of records, net for you know you're gonna hear it's pow. Man, the kings, and you know we don't follow. Uh. Sabotage our thing, nah, don't bother. Uh. Yeah, I'm a scholar. Uh. X3 shot up. Uh. Man's been winning since Ching Chan Walla. Yeah, now we're set up another gear. Still hungry like it was the first year. 16, I was off the hook this year. So, I mean, the title tells its own story. Uh, one of. Grimes and New Kids on the Block and a guy who, like I say, was a big deal back in the mid-2000s, um, clearly enjoying the success that the music is having now. Well, if Craig Fitzpatrick was here, I know what he would say. He would say that he doesn't quite get it, man. <laughs> I know, yeah, Craig just doesn't get grime, generally. I like this. Yeah, I really like I it as fun. well. Yeah. You know what? What's more, yeah, it's fun. And as Fanula Jones mentioned in her report from Stormzy a couple of weeks ago, uh, people assume that it's going to be all aggressive grime music. And it's very much not, and this album is a good example. Of yeah, that. like, I, like when it, I've been talking about this for the last month or so with some friends, and like, you know, when I first heard snippets of Stormzy here and there, I was like, uh, you know, uh, sounds like early Dizzy or whatever, sped up. Didn't think much of it, but then, you know, I, 
I heard him like the live buzz. I went online and I looked up his his shows live and how it goes down, and it looks insane. Mm-hmm. So and that's maybe go back to the albums and I, I've really gotten into Stormzy recently through that. And listening to this track, I can imagine this would be batshit insane life. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny, actually, yeah, listening to this as well, I was reminded of catching Kano at Electric Picnic, which was one of the standout tracks. Um, another one of those guys who was big 12 years ago. I used to watch Soccer AM when I was about 16. This we, is how I know oh, all yeah. these we guys. All, we all make mistakes. Um, but, yeah, but that was, like, with a full brass section and just this oh, wow. joyous explosion sort of yeah. at Electric Picnic. And, yeah, th- this song sounds like it would fit in in that sort of style just fine. Um, I, I think I'm that's really the, I think that's the difference. I feel like you know you can have grime uh, like you know we had that was it that Section Boy song oh, ages ago that just mm-hmm. seemed like a bit monotonous and a bit yeah. kind of like you know posturing and I think if you inject it with some kind of knowing humor and a bit of you know flamboyance and kind of just some clever kind of studio ticks, well then that you know ticks all those boxes and and, and like like it's like grime is a genre I'm never going to be terribly well versed in because I just like there are aspects where I just find impenetrable. But I feel like a track like this, which is clearly aimed at a more kind of, you know, like accessible mm-hmm. audience, I guess, it, it totally works. Even like that kind of weird breakdown in which that female voice comes in and like at first you're like, what is this? Why is this happening? And then you're kind of like, oh, no, that's actually kind of cute. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of done well. Yeah. No, no, uh, this is, is, is as it's titled, it's, uh, it's aptly titled. It's a win for Lethal Bizzle. And Skept is really good in it too. Yeah. New EP is called You'll Never Make a Million from Grime. Tongue in cheek there, you have to presume. And that's out now. We mentioned that we were going to be doing a listening guide this week uh, to Prince, who died uh, a year ago this week. Uh, Craig Fitzpatrick may not be in studio right now, but uh, he is still contributing in the form of leading off this segment. Over to you, Craig. Welcome to Prince Talk with Craig Fitzpatrick. Um, Coming to you remotely with my personal listening guide as someone that, I mean, you could say listens to too much Prince, but there's really no such thing. So if you're a complete novice, um, I'm jealous, and this, you know, this will be a nice primer for you, hopefully. Our playlist is actually a great place to start, so it's two hours of Prince, uh, it's 25 of some of his best songs, and it was still a struggle to kind of whittle it down to even that. Um, not a struggle to put together, it was complete joy. It kind of reminded me of how last year when uh, David Bowie died, uh, I was listening back to his stuff with a heavy heart, obviously, and it was quite a sad experience. Then Bloody Prince goes and kicks the bucket. Um, and listening back to him, it was weird. The songs couldn't help but like just instantly cheer me up. Um, he, I don't know, there's a kind of infectious thing to his music. One of the best songwriters of all time. One of the best performers, best musicians. I mean, his guitar skills alone. Um, but also just one of the best characters. I mean, the level of sexiness, obviously, that's in this stuff is ridiculous. Um, I said it as a very sexy guy, obviously. Um, but also, you know, along with the bravado, there's a real sense of humour. There's like some Morrissey-level, you know, one-liners, but less what was me in there. Um, and also a real kind of fragility, which is nice from time to time. Well, let's crack on. Obviously, the summit, uh, the starting point is Purple Rain. So it's one of the best albums of all time, um, and you should have listened to it by now. But, you know, it's bombastic, but also weirdly flab-free. It's got an exceptional opening. Um iconic closer everything in between is pretty much perfect and when it arrived in 1984 he was kind of ready to be one of the biggest stars in the world and this made sure he was um, one of my absolute favorite LPs ever his other kind of major artistic peak for me is probably sign of the times 
and it's harder to get into for sure it's kind of flawed in places it's a bit sprawling but it's like genuinely agenda setting groundbreaking stuff and it's got every kind of color of prints thrown in there you'll always find different layers and different things in it um so check that out from those two there's then level a level of just kind of simply brilliant category stuff and a few kind of albums that you, some of you might even prefer to kind of sign of the times because they're just easier to get into. So 1999, for example, is great, great fun. It's got Little Red Corvette. That's all you need to say. Um, I mean, his 80s was essentially perfect. He was like a Bowie or like a Beatles or like Joni Mitchell, who was one of his icons, where he just had a run that, you know, very few people get near. Um, and that opened with, say, Dirty Mind, which was just him doing New Wave, but with added raunch and nailing it. That was 1980. I mean, from there, the likes of Love Sexy, um, Parade, which is a soundtrack and a kind of slightly different sound for him. It hasn't dated as much as some of his other productions, so it's kind of it still sounds really fresh and it's great. Controversy. They're all worth checking out. Then you're on to kind of LPs that have amazing highlights and are just good albums. So Around the World in a Day, Diamond and Pearls. Um, the Black Album has a kind of weird murkiness to it. Um, and while the quality isn't as high as, you know, he hits somewhere else, some other places, it's still a very, very interesting listen, as is Love Symbol. Um, when you're getting into the 90s stuff, it's kind of, tough to navigate and the naughty stuff gold experiences worth checking out even as more recent stuff like artificial age i really really liked um 3121 or 3121 that was a good record um worth checking out i mean at the time in 2004 musicology was seen as a real kind of comeback for him um and it's very enjoyable but it's a bit prints by numbers for me um but you'll find stuff to love on that as well i'm sure so i mean if you stick with the 80s stuff starting with purple rain um, you're essentially going to become obsessed and then venture out and find other stuff. And I wish you well on your quest. Okay, yeah, so no Craig, but the boy done good. He made a playlist for us all to enjoy. And if you go on to our No Encore Twitter, it's at No Encore Show, or any of us individually on there, we will put it up. Or if you go on to headstuff.org and go to the, the main kind of post for this episode, we'll put it in there as well. 25 tracks, two hours. And, uh, like, you know, difficult, I would say, to kind of condense prints into such a way. But you're worried. You have to do that when you DJ. <laughs> it must be interesting for you. Yeah, Prince is, I don't know, this, I've been DJing Prince tracks for the last four years, I'd say. But this really came about by, like, um, I don't know, like, a lot of his big tracks are in 4-4, and they're just, they're easy to mix. They go together really well. And he's got, I mean, he's obviously got so many amazing hits and stuff like that, but he just has this kind of funk beat. It was almost, you know, you, you can tell, like, Daft Punk took a lot of influence from it, and they, they mix well together, that kind of stuff. But, um yeah, I mean, from a from a technical music point of view, he's great to to mix and to DJ. But from a music point of view, there's so much there. You know, there's a lot you don't realize. Um, a lot of power ballads that you can close the set with. A lot of cheese. A lot of absolute filth. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, he's just you know when you when you mention a Prince Prince DJ set to anybody, you know they they immediately light up. Um, well, let's say okay. I mean, like like it's been a year since his passing and. Let's say in that year, someone who might have been curious about checking him out, but still hasn't quite gotten around to it, was a bit overwhelmed. You know, his catalogue appears on Spotify uh, a few months ago. And again, you might be like, well, Jesus Christ, where do I start? For you guys, yeah, what are the essential 
Prince Records. Well, I mean, I have to agree with Craig. Purple Rain and Sign of the Times are probably the two standouts. Yeah. Um, Sign of the Times, I actually might prefer it to Purple Rain. I think that's simply just because of its expanse and that, you know, he can do more. Like, Purple Rain, for its undoubted quality, is still quite streamlined. It Whereas is, Sign yeah. the Times, a double album, just kind of gave him maybe a few more alleyways to go down. Definitely. I think, like, Sign of the Times is, is a, a good overall indicator of Prince. You know, mm. it's got everything that he's, every style that he's done, and he just, it's, it was meant to be a triple triple album, I think. Yeah. But they whittled it down to a double album in this case. Um, you know, it starts with poss- possibly my favorite track of his, Sign of the Times. Um, one of the best, most understated guitar performances um, in his whole repertoire, I think. But it just keeps going and going. It's, it goes all over the place. And it's, but it, you know, it's got four to the floor bangers, It's but it's also got my one of my favorite tracks called The Cross. Right. Um, you know, that's been covered by the likes of U2 and Pearl Jam and stuff like that. It's just one of my favorites. I've only recently gotten into that track, actually. Yeah. And you of course, know? the other thing, though, is that if if you're going to hold those two up as being, you know, the real highlights of a career, and it is true, uh, in between them was Parade, which was, in my eyes, you know, as strong an album. It just had the ignominy of being paired with uh, Under the Cherry Moon which yeah. was his the, the directorial to... debut and one of the worst movies <laughs> of the 80s. Uh, it swept the boards at the Golden Raspberry Awards that year. And frankly, it probably held that album back a little bit. Possibly, but it did give us Kiss. It did, it did. And what's more, it also uh, introduced him to Claire Fisher, who was a jazz composer who mm. basically, I think, and it's saying something, but opened Prince's eyes to things that he hadn't known and hadn't thought about before. And when you consider how much he was able to do kind of across the board, yeah. that's something. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an album that has a signature sound in itself with the the jazz leanings that he intended to, to go for, you know, mm-hmm. and um, just really going for, I guess, a huge scope, I guess, following up the, the previous album, you know. Um, yeah, I'd have that up there, you know, just below Purple Rain and Sign of the Times. Um, I feel like Love Sexy is, like, an interesting record. It's got, like, you know, some obvious great fucking bangers, like Alphabet Street. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's a bit unwieldy. I also think there's almost too much pep in it for me. Do you think so? Well, Love Sexy was released kind of as a reaction to the Black Album getting pulled. Or, or him, he himself pulling the Black Album, should I say. He felt it was a bit too dark. He had a message from God that he shouldn't release it. Yeah. And it feels like he went, you know, again, to go a little spinal tap, like, you know, what's the opposite of Black? And he went crazy Technicolor. <laughs> and, and got, I mean, it's still a great album, but maybe it does lack a little bit of the sort of texture. And, like, critically and commercially, I mean, it wasn't a flop by any stretch of the imagination, mm, no. but it did did dip. It did kind of, like, like provide, like like, a bit of a... Oh, this is like his lowest charting record since the, st- the turn of the decade. Like, is this the end of Prince? So he decided to follow that up with the Batman. Ooh. Oh, but the Batman. <laughs> I think this the the Batman album personally it just it's holds huge value to myself. This is like basically the story behind this is my mom took me to see the Batman movie when I was six, mm-hmm. and I distinctly remember in my like I don't know I was I was still processing what music was I guess at that stage but I remember that scene where the Joker comes in to what was it the art gallery yep, yep. Ricky Vale and, yep. um, I saw this in the cinema two weeks yeah. ago in, in no 70, 70 millimeter, and like it was really loud and when that scene was coming um, I was like here we fucking yeah, go and, uh, yeah and Party Man was blaring yeah. Lawrence 
Let's broaden our minds. <laughs> but I remember hearing Party Man and going, I don't know what this is, but this sounds cool. And that, I think I think that was it. That started off my love of Prince. Yeah, like, yeah, over, that's fair. My Sorry, I'm wrong. It was Gentlemen. Let's broaden our minds. Then he says Lawrence. That was it. But uh, hearing that in the cinema was a real treat. And uh, yeah, Party Man, Bat Dance, obviously is on Bat there. Dance. Yeah, Trust. Trust. Well. Oh man, Trust is a fucking belter. Amazing. That's yeah. a great song. Yeah, okay, Trust and Party Man were the only two tracks used in the film. I think. Yeah. I think Bat Dance might be on the end credits, perhaps, or maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I don't think so. No, I think it was. Uh, it was. I think they just used that driving theme. score. Yeah, yeah. 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 The Danny Elfman. Um, I, my, my, I grew up in a house where my sister was obsessed with Prince. Absolutely, like like he was religion for her. So like I was treated to hearing like you know just like random cuts here and there when I'd be walking by her room or whatever cool. it was, and like like so I I, I kind of had Prince in, in my bloodstream from a very young age. Um, I mean like like in terms of like like I find my Prince, I, I do find it to be quite an overwhelming catalogue because there's just so much of it. I mean like technically there's like 39 studio albums. <laughs> You're oh, just yeah, like yeah, fucking yeah. hell. And of course he went into that weird phase of just like here's two albums free with the Daily Mail like you're like what the hell is going on and he declared you know the internet is dead print is the way to go mm-hmm. uh, I, I, but even like you know in his kind of strange run of just like not being able to keep up with them you do get these individual highlights I mean like when I worked in Extra Vision I think 3121 was the album that was out mm-hmm. and that to me unfortunately it's not on Spotify it's a crime it's a crime <laughs> that you can't get to hear Black Sweat because Black Sweat is the end of a car alarm having sex while on fire it's insane it is completely batshit crazy even fire alarms need love as well I tell you man and they got it with with Black Sweat that is a song and a half and then like you know like he brings out that kind of more recent stuff and he gets tracks like Breakfast Can Wait and Screwdriver and you're just like this guy's on another fucking plane. Yeah, yeah. yeah his last two albums was Plectrum, Electrum, Artificial Age. Like, he was yeah. still on it. Like, he was really going for it. They were absolutely fantastic. It was Annie Mack, bizarrely, who t- turned me on to these. It was one of those moments like you had with Wallace Bird where we were on the phone and she was like, oh, you haven't heard them? Okay, just go listen to them now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I did. And they were fantastic. Yeah, and it, it showed that he, he still had it, I guess. There was a period... Um, all right during the 90s when things probably took a little bit of a dip I've always kind of wondered if Sign of the Times was actually kind of responsible for that because as in trying to follow that or? well no because it, it opened up so many different avenues and also like it seems to be the album where he stopped kind of like trying to do everything a lot of people have said, you know, that you've got to remember that in the 80s people say like oh Prince released nine albums yeah. and it's like yeah but he wrote 40 yeah, <laughs> and that's got to kind like of that, take it it's out. It's like of that you. Kevin Smith story, which you know you should look up if you've never heard it before. It's incredible, in which he talks about you know working with his long-suffering PA. Yeah, and you know he was like, "So what's going to happen with this documentary that I've just worked on for two months?" And she was like, "Oh, well, probably nothing. He'll probably just put it in the vault." <laughs> and he's like, "What do you mean the vault?" And she's like, "Oh, Prince is a vault in which you know." He's got all his music videos and stuff, you know. And she's like, "For what?" He's like, "Oh, for for what songs?" And she's like, "Oh, you haven't heard them. You know, ne- you never will." Amazing. Like this, it appears that Prince just made music twenty four seven. Oh yeah, like yeah. didn't stop. It also sounds like Prince's house is like the greatest place on earth. Um, yeah. While I was researching this, I came across an old story that Stuart Clark told me about um, Questlove talking to him. Oh, the ping pong story, is it? No, it was no. it was simply the Questlove was asked over to Prince's house one day, and uh, when he got there, Prince was playing bass and Stevie Wonder was playing keyboards. They asked Questlove to sit behind the kit and they ran through Stevie Wonder's greatest hits for two hours. Questlove, he just has the crack. He I just, know, right? 
Wow. And of course, while we're talking about Prince, yeah, uh, you know, shout out to Charlie Murphy, who who shared that wonderful story on, on Dave Chappelle's show about um, playing basketball, shirts versus blouses, and then <laughs> serving everybody sketch. pancakes afterwards. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, I mean, like, you know, we should probably talk about the uh, awkward time period in which he dropped his name. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a lot of people believe that the artist suffered very creatively for this. Uh, although, we did get Sexy MF. <laughs> Which is a tune. It's incredible. I think like the nineties he kinda of struggled with you know, I mean hip hop just came and destroyed everything and he was trying to k- catch up with that. Mm. Um like there's a, a big new jack sound to his stuff as well. You know, I know Michael Jackson was doing it around the time with Dangerous. And uh, like some of it works, some of it doesn't. Like when I'm DJ now I play a lot of I play like Thunder, Daddy Pop, uh Get Off, which is Incredible! Get off's amazing. One of the best. Like, the, there's footage of him playing that at the MTV Music Awards, and I recommend all of you listeners just to watch it. It's incredible. He comes on stage. There's like dancers all over the place. He he, he mock screams. Then he lies down, and like, he gets four male dancers to pile on top of him in a really suggestive manner. Then they get up, and then he does the splits and gets up, rips a guitar solo, jumps down onto the the next level of his stage, and then rips into the song. It's incredible. So I highly recommend that. It's amazing. But um, yeah, I mean, Prince in the 90s, hit or miss. And then obviously with the, you know, the, the turning his name to a symbol, like I always felt for like journalists at the time. Like, how do you, <laughs> what did you put, do you get a font for that? Do you, yeah, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know how you used to do it before you had everything computerized at least. Now it's just a simple copy paste. I love that. What's that Simpsons episode, the hard copy one where they apologize to everybody and they they had, they, have this list of names that they have to apply and you can just briefly see the, the print symbol going up on the screen. <laughs> that's pretty, yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's class. <laughs> okay, well, look, I mean, again, we, like he has, like, if you want to call that a fallow period of creativity, but like, you know, it, it was amazing how he was able to pull it back and still create quality. Yeah, and what's more as well, even in the fallow period, and I guess this is why you say, like, you know, go into the mid-80s and start from there because even when things weren't, absolutely perfect which they frankly were in the mid 80s you can still hear a lot of the familiar sort of pieces yeah even I, if they didn't necessarily slot together as cozily as they would I'd say to. like we didn't mention it but Dirty Mind and Controversy you can like mm. listen through the two of them you can see him basically it's it's like his progression to yeah those are at the very start uh, of the 80s and to Purple Rain yeah kind of the warning shot so to speak yeah you can just see little clues in, in all those albums it must have been amazing to be kind of following his career at that time and getting the new Prince record during that run yeah. and like bringing yeah. it home putting on for the first time and being like oh my god this guy yeah. this guy fuck okay so what I would say to listeners is definitely definitely check out Craig's playlist mm-hmm. because it does, it's all encompassing and you know it's a, a fast two hours which you enjoy definitely you know like look up Bantam stuff as well uh, if you have any kind of Prince playlist of your own or mixes online that you um, check I'm going to have to put one together. You're going to have to yeah, put one I together. Forgot, I forgot he's on Spotify now, yeah. But what I would say, again, if someone like is like, okay, look, fuck it, just give me three albums. Three albums that I should listen to. They are. Go. Purple Rain, Parade, and Sign of the Times. I agree. <laughs> there you go. Um, Batman album, Purple Rain, Sign of the Times. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. All righty, okay. God well, bless you, Prince. God bless you. If you want uh, something that's... Uh, just very recent to check out uh, how about Future Islands they have released The Far Field sounds like this Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's Cave, the second single from the album we've previously listened to, Ran. This is their fifth studio album, I believe. There's almost a feel for some people that it's their second album, given how they blew up three years ago. Three years ago, by the way. Singles. Like, that, that, that's one of those, like, oh my God, that was three years ago? Yeah. The, the Letterman performance? Yeah, it feels like it was two years ago. Like, that's kind of scary. Yeah, it's, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know. We're getting old, Dave. We're getting old. But um, yeah, what do we make of this? I feel like Future Islands are guilty of writing the same song over and over again, in a way. Mm-hmm. But I hate saying that, because I think it's a horrible thing to say about any act, and any band, or any musician. But they do kind of just cut from the same cloth a lot. I and mean, th- there is a moment early on this album where Time on Her Side runs into Ran, and you legit check you if you notice. haven't tapped the repeat button. And I mean, it's not necessarily a major criticism or a massive flaw because I quite like the song. I think the song is a good song and I think it works for them. Sure. But it is, you know what you're getting. You're getting like, you know, you're getting a driving bass line. Uh, you're getting like uh, drums that are pretty much there to just keep the beat and do the odd flourish. Yeah. And you're getting a bit of a synth and you're going to get like these kind of strange uh, crooning heartfelt vocals from Samuel T. Herring. And that's kind of the draw. I know for a lot of people, this band is the funny guy who dances in that funny way and does the death metal scream every now and then. But they are very accomplished pop songwriters, and there's a lot of melancholy at play with this band as well. Oh, a lot. And there always has been. As a matter of fact, I read a um, really good profile on Rolling Stone about the band and primarily about Samuel T. Herring, and they kind of say, like, you know, like, like at one point he says that like he goes I joke that I continued the family business like you know because yeah. his father uh, was a divorce attorney a divorce lawyer so Herring says you know like uh, said that because he, so many of his songs are about separation and you know like kind of division uh, but there's a great passage here where it says but it's the endurance of love not its dissolution that's made Herring a hopeless romantic or depending on the day intensely lovesick his parents just celebrated their 40th anniversary they still wake up together leave together because they work together uh, go home together and turn off the lights together and he says I see such a truth thing in their relationship their love informs how I speak about love it's beautiful um, he jokes that when he dates people it's like what do you mean you don't want to hang out for 24 hours straight I've always he said like uh, I've always wanted that thing someone there and I don't have that and that's fucking raw man. Like, that's it, like it uh, is it's tough and a lot of these songs like it, these kind of driving pop arrangements almost mask a tremendous pain I think you're right about the arrangements to an extent, although I'll come back to that in a minute. Does his delivery also mask some of it? Because I find that he sometimes treads a line between sort of impassioned and energetic and emotive and cartoon pirate. There's, yeah, it's, it's very cartoonish. Like, I listened to the album and then I read that Rolling Stone profile as well, actually. Mm. And listened back to the album again. I I can I see it in a new light, you know. Um, having read especially the profile of the the singer, it is very melancholy. Mm-hmm. It does you kind of feel for him a little bit. It, you know the the way the tracks move and stuff like that. Uh, I think the vocals on the first track especially are they go like even the first line is quite cartoonish. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's actually the song that we play there, Cave, where I felt he went a bit broken Matt Hardy almost. Like. <laughs> what a reference. <laughs> um, I th- a highlight for me, though, is the track with Debbie Harry. Shadows, that's a good tune. I yeah, think that's I like my favourite track. Yeah, uh, I think Beauty of the Road is really good, because I, I, I think it actually has 
the best mix of him kind of being this new romantic showman who kind of wants to cheer up the crowd while also probably making all these personal confessions. And he does kind of use his voice like an elastic band in that regard. I, I know where you're coming from. I, I think he definitely walks a fine line, but I do think he walks it. I do think he gets away with it. Yeah, I think he slips every now and then, to be fair. Although it, it, it's not enough to kind of com- completely turn me off, so to speak. Um, this, I, yeah, I, the same thing happened to me with the two tracks kind of running into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that that is fair enough. They have this formula. They stick to it. They do it very, very well. And they've obviously been at this for five. Is this album number five? This is album five, yeah. Five albums, you know. I mean, it's it's very, very, very good sound to it. I think that the bass especially. I know, I, I think I read a review earlier and they were commenting on the, the way the bass was mixed as well. Again, uh, it's just it's outstanding. It's lovely, yeah. And I yeah. mean, that's something that's very much a hallmark of of their sound. Yeah. And this time, they also brought their touring drummer in as sort of a oh full yeah, he's piece solid. Yeah, yeah. He actually makes that track with Debbie Harry. I think yeah. The drums in that track are very and good. and this is the thing about about the, the the melodies and the arrangements that even when it slips up, and I think it does, especially in the second half of the album, perhaps when things slow down a little bit. I mean, I felt that Candles was just a bit of a slog. And uh, North Star, Ancient Water. I mean, they're serviceable, but there's nothing really stand out. I really enjoyed Through the Roses. It seemed to suggest that they could successfully slow down and for it to still be extremely affecting because I think that their style has such momentum to it and such a driving force that even if there is a little bit of a misstep, it's kind of in the rearview mirror 10 seconds later. Do you mean misstep or a lull? Uh, no, a misstep in particular, because yeah. as in like, I mean, he is so earnest that at times it can be somewhat overwhelming. Yeah. And yeah, I think on, on, on this album in particular, um, I'm interested to know would diehard fans feel the same way? But if a diehard fan is a diehard fan, it's probably because they appreciate the palace that they've been given and they want more of the same. It's like it's the classic argument that, that, that a genre writer will tell you about and being like, you know, people want the same but different. Yeah, you see, but like... The reason I bring it up is it's a bit like when myself and Craig were talking about Elbow a few months ago, and I said, I wonder if you really care about Guy Garvey, does his happiness on this record kind of really ring true in a way that it wouldn't to a casual listener? In the same way, does the genuine heartache and loss that, that seems to be on show here even more than before, would that register in a way that it doesn't to someone who's coming at it as a, as a, as a relatively casual fan? Good question. And also, it is kind of interesting for this band to be as well-positioned as they are with, with the vocalist who is this upfront about his mm. fucking genuine pain, apparently. And I mean, you know... <laughs> They're always going to be compared to Seasons, not just because of the they let him in performance, but because it's such a perfect song. Like I think, I, I think that's a perfect five star pop song. Yeah, I mean, and the album was full of them. Bono I mean, called it a miracle. Yeah, the title, the title tells its own story. To be fair, Singles, Singles. was very much written to be a collection of pop songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, like you know, on that record, you got a track like Dubs, which is fantastic. I mean, before that, you have you have a song like uh, Balance and a song like Walking Through That Door, which are absolutely brilliant and they really kind of hit you right in the chest I didn't quite have one of those on this album but I still liked it I mean I, I think it is strong work I think it's very good but it's lacking a coherent standout moment of pure you know pure future islands if you will allow me such a thing because they, they are really good at establishing their signature sound and also giving you something to really cling on to. And I found it very easy to separate from this album. I found it very easy to kind of like go, oh, I'll listen to that again in half an hour if I want to. And it does kind of all blur into one. And, you know, it's it's serviceable when it should 
arguably be better. The lyrics are good, but they I I, I do think I I think I agree with you. I think I think he does kind of almost bury himself a little bit in glamour and gloss, and at the same time, this is an album I would totally recommend, but it's just it's missing something. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, like talking about hardcore fans and stuff like that, because. And again, it goes back to my, my listening to it, then reading about him, and then listening to it again. It, it kind of painted a, a different picture for me. Um, but should the album however, have been successful in like getting that there? I mean, like like I'm all for supplemental material, but at the same time, is that not a failing of the record if you had to read and then go back and go, oh, now I see it? Yeah, I think so. I think like listening to the album before this, singles that really grabbed me. Um, look, I'll admit, I, I only heard about them after the, the Dave Letterman Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never heard them before that. Um, that blew me away. It was so... Just again, it's an amazing song. Yeah, so uplifting the whole story behind it. But uh, listening to this, it does you know it's 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 a very mellow record in comparison, I think. But the the track with De- Debbie Harry, um, that's my highlight. I love it. Yeah, um, I remember he did uh, a track on Dublon's album a year or two ago, and again he was the highlight there. I think maybe just because of that sort of really raw delivery, that having a female voice there is a really nice compliment. It's yeah, a, it's a foil for him to work off. Um, yet, I mean, it's a 7 out of 10 album and it is the definition of a 7 out of 10 album for me. It's it's solid and it's enjoyable. It doesn't have standout moments, so to speak. I am interested, though, uh, in terms of how it's going to age and what it's going to be like to come back to in certain moods because this feels like this one of those strange and, you know, really uncommon albums where you're going to have one person dancing and another person crying. <laughs> And, you know, that's odd. And so I'm interested to see what it's going to be like to revisit it yeah. over time. Um, yeah, I'll give it a 7 out of 10 as well. Um, yeah, it just, like, nothing really stands out to me. It's it's nice. You know, I'm going to listen to it on my, on my way home tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been kind of listening to it on and off the last few days. But, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to recall any tracks straight away from it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think 7 out of 10 is the best barometer for this. Um, and I mean, I don't mean that dismissively. It's just that you've heard this one already and you've heard it better. But it is good. Yeah, a little bit. I think if I had it on vinyl, by the way, uh, it would probably be side A, 8 out of 10. Side B, 6 out of 10. Well, now, now, now we're getting into the semantic argument that I don't want to have. Okay, Alrighty. I've had one rant on this episode. Don't make, have me, another. don't make me do it again. All right. Uh, in terms of other things that one could be listening to, I think Dave and I are both on the Talos twist right yeah, now. Yeah, man, this is a great album. It's fantastic. I'm loving it. I've said before that the dude is exceptionally talented. Um, we played, I think, Odyssey on the show a little while ago. And at the time I mentioned that Your Love is an Island, which was a single from last year, was extraordinary. And yeah, this is an early marker for Irish Album of the Year for me. So that's a yeah. big statement, and I think he's made a big statement, yeah. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with him, Rory. Yeah, well familiar with him, and he's got a good team behind him with um, Feel Good Loss, Brendan Canty. Um, I know Dahi is, is working in the background as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, he's been plugging away for years. I know he was in, I think it was Hush War Cry before this. Um, but he's just got a really distinctive voice, very captivating. Watching him, I haven't seen him live in a while, but uh, you know, I've been trying to follow what he's been doing online through... YouTube and Instagram and stuff, and it just looks great. Um, yeah, he, this is a choice nomination, I think. Mm. You know, I yeah. think it has to be. Yeah, Talos yeah. is the name of the artist. Wild Alley is the name of the record. And yeah, on the strength of even one listen, I was like, yeah, this is like, the, like this. It made me, you know, kind of stop and take notice. It's one of those proper like. I don't know what it is, but he has it sort exactly, of thing. Yeah, totally. yeah, and to be fair, that's great because I've heard that name before as well. I've like I, two or three years ago, people were like. 
like you have to listen to this guy he is going to be incredible and it's taken him some time to get here but it's been absolutely worth the wait mm-hmm. I suspect we'll be talking about it more in depth at some point but uh, yeah uh, definitely definitely check that one out when it comes out I believe it's out later this month later this month yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the week after next perhaps mm-hmm. or, uh, it's been a busy fucking run of music man I've listened to tons of stuff as well uh, Wear Your Wounds is the name of a new project by Jacob Bannon who is the frontman of the band Converge, who I am kind of obsessed with. Uh, the name of the record is WYW, so it's self-titled in a way. And if you've ever heard a Converge track or anything by Jacob Bannon, you'll kind of know what you're getting in for here. But it's a bit more, it's a bit less overtly aggressive and more kind of long-form melancholy, kind of introspective, uh, like, like kind of cinematic almost. It's something he's been working on since the Jane Doe days and uh, has just kind of surfaced now. Uh, for me, this was never going to miss but it really hits. I adore his aesthetic. I adore what he does with music. I adore what he does with, with artwork. I mean, I've got fucking two pieces tattooed on my arm. Like, I mean, like, like, like I'm all in with this guy. And Wear Your Wounds is an, a record everyone should check out. It's just so, so evocative. I fucking love it, man. I love it. It's great. I have been giving a spin to the new one from Freddie Gibbs, which is called You Only Live Twice. Um, as anybody who was waiting to watch him at Forbidden Fruit uh, before he was arrested by French police last year <laughs> will know uh, it's been uh, an eventful 12 months for the bloke. And that is, in fact, addressed on this record. Uh, it is short and sharp. It's eight tracks long. Uh, it doesn't hang around. And, yeah, it's very enjoyable. Um, out a week or two by now, so give it a spin. Um, I've been listening to Super Extra Bonus Party. Actually. Whoa. Yeah, that's a blast from the past. Ten years, to, to be exact. You know, I have not listened to Super Extra Bonus Party, I'd, I'd say certainly in nine years. Nine years. How does it stand up? <laughs> it stands up really well. Um, yeah, like, On the Skyline was a regular uh, in my playlists. I don't know, what did I, we didn't listen to playlists back then, what did we listen to? CDs? Yeah. Minidisc, MySpace. Yeah. Minidisc, homemade playlists. My, MySpace Friends or something like that. But uh, yeah, Flashboxes the, and Bebo. The, the lads re-uploaded this. It's for free download online now. Um, I think there's there's rumblings of new material from the, from their camp at the moment, so uh, keep an ear out for them. I remember I absolutely despised them as a live act, so maybe I've come around. <laughs> I'm going to give it a go. It's we'll a welcome see. return for me. I'm looking forward to this, and I, thought, I, think, I think that record is great. Uh, I've also been listening to one last thing. We mentioned it before on the show, uh, The Blaze and Territory. Mm. The full six-track EP has been released, and it did not disappoint. I'm very much enjoying that as well been a very fruitful month so far a slow start to the year but it feels like we're clicking now don't get me started on my french house though Dave. i know you're very specific about your french house <laughs> well we didn't have craig this week but i think we did okay i think we held the shop down fairly well yeah if you thought i ranted earlier on i'm sure he would have been much worse yes and of course thank you to rory bantam thank thanks, you very guys. much sir. thanks for having me and how many how many more- podcasts is this now with me Oof. three or four Probably i guess four at this stage. Yeah, 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 yeah and the yeah. live show and yeah, oh, yeah. you're you're our official team mascot <laughs> Is that just Thanks, if we guys. were on a university challenge we would sit you in, in just, the middle yeah, of the table yeah just be sitting on the table in your fetching yellow hat by the way <laughs> which, which I'm wearing quite right enjoying. now thank you both uh, as always we will exit this episode of No Encore uh, with some good new Irish tunes friends of the show former guest Bitch Falcon are back with Syncopy which was maybe the first track I ever heard because the first time I ever saw Bitch Falcon was when they were opening up for I want to say Fucked up. That's who it was. There it is. It was fucked up. That was a great show. I loved it. But I walked in while they were still sound checking, and like this was what they were sound checking. Like it's uh, anyone who's seen them live will recognise this instantly. And if you've never seen them live, this is a great advertisement to do so. Bitch Falcon, Syncope. My name is Dave Hanready. 
This has been No Encore. There will be no encore, and I promise to be a bit nicer next week to Harry Styles. That jungle they live in. They respect no law but the code of the gang. Underage. Oversexed. Girls who won't take no for an answer. Network. See headstuff.org for more details. Jesus Christ, Dave. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.